My soul in sad exile was out on my sea, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered gentlemen take this down if they would please could you guys drop this for, for me would you and just set it straight down in front tonight and um, we're going to go ahead and we're in our uh, great miscalculations and uh, mistake series still <clears throat> great miscalculations and mistakes thank you gentlemen this guy's really getting good at this Getting a lot of practice lately, huh? All right. 
Well, again, Wednesday night, we've been working on this, kind of making our way through this here and there, just whenever we get an opportunity. But Romans chapter 15, verse 4, simply says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I just want to hear myself here tonight. Let's see what I'm getting here. I just uh, see how this sounds tonight. All right. I can hear myself here. I want you to turn me up a little bit, would you? Hear myself. I don't want to hear myself because if I hear myself, it's not coming out of the speaker like I want to. Hello? Hello? A little more. Hello? That's better. Right there. That's good. That's good. That way nobody can really fall asleep. All right? <clears throat> Great miscalculations and mistakes. Romans 15:4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so we want to have some hope. And we know and understand and realize that uh, that people make mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. But the fact is, is that often we can learn from the mistakes of others. So we want to learn from the mistakes of others. And that's what the whole concept of this so-called series is. Now, uh, over these past weeks, uh, we learned that uh, things about Eve, learned things. It depends on which way I stand, too, doesn't it? If I turn that way, I get feedback, don't I? This is the nuttiest thing in the world. I can't wait till we live in a perfect building. Of course, the next building would be perfect, right, brother? Yeah, well, we'll do whatever you got to do to fix me, even if it means almost shutting me off. So anyway, Eve believed uh, Satan's lie that God was holding back blessing. We went through a number of different truths. We, as you can see, uh, quite a few actually. And uh, the last couple were that Jephthah made the mistake of speaking before he thought, and it cost him greatly. So we said, think before you speak. That's a big thing. If we, don't, we fail to think before we speak, we got problems. That's a big mistake, isn't it? Now listen, how many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you have ever said something before you thought? Yeah, don't raise your hands. I know, I was going to raise mine just because, I mean, I'm trying to you know, be nice. But the fact is we all have, haven't we? It's dangerous, and it's also a big mistake, and it's, it's not, it, it doesn't usually produce anything positive. Then Rehoboam's mistake was that he did not respect the experience of the old men and exhibited contempt for them in their counsel. And then finally, last uh, time we got together on this uh, topic, we talked about Jehoshaphat's great mistake was joining with the wicked. And uh, of course, that's always a problem and something we have to be so awfully careful about. Let's go ahead and consider the next one. We're going to talk about Israel forgets. It's a big mistake on their part. Israel forgets or forgot, either way you want to say it. Take your Bible. Well, you've already got it up there. We're going to look at another passage in a little bit. But let's go ahead and take a look at Psalm chapter 78. Before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you, Lord, tonight. We want you to speak to our hearts through the simplicity of this message. Lord, your word is not complicated. Father, often we make it complicated. But, Lord, help us to keep it simple and make the applications that will, Father, be a blessing and encouragement to us. Father, we need you tonight. And, Lord, uh, we're asking you, Lord, just to speak to our hearts. And, Lord... um, I suppose, Father, if there's one thing we must do, especially when we're faced with difficult times, is to remember. We cannot afford to forget. Help us, Lord, we pray tonight. We'll give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Psalm chapter 78, verse 1 through 7. Who'll read that for me off the the board or out of your Bible? It doesn't matter to me either one. Who'll read that? I don't feel like reading all that tonight. Yes, sir, would you please? Parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, 
and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he, for he has established his testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, <coughs> that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Amen. So we have the passage there pretty clear outlined there. We're going to take a look at it for just a moment. And we recognize that the passage expresses a number of things. First of all, if you recall correctly, the children of Israel had experienced tremendous blessing with the hand of God. They had been delivered out of Egypt. They'd crossed the Red Sea. They'd been uh, cared for in the wilderness. I mean, just so many unbelievable supernatural uh, acts of God uh, came about as a result of this this journey that they took and so forth. And so um, they had a lot to remember. There was a lot to remember. And uh, yet we're going to see that obviously they forgot. So this passage itself, though, that we just simply read, expresses the need to remember. That's obvious. And in the passage, we note a few simple points. Number one, we notice the purpose of remembering in verse 4. It says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. First of all, He tells us, the purpose of remembering is to make known God's praise. We're to elevate and magnify the Lord God all the time. I mean, we're to remind our children. We're to keep Him before them, that kind of thing. We're not only that, but we're to make known God's power. Man, listen, God is all-powerful. You know, we talk about Him being omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all of those things. Those are just attributes that He has. But omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. That's our God, all-powerful. He is Creator. And as a Creator... All things consist of Him and because of Him and by Him. And so we have a God that's mighty and very powerful. Now, you know, I don't know that we always remember that. And I don't know that we remember that in the times that we really need to at times. You know, we, we, we look at our situation and we, we really get pretty discouraged and we get pretty, uh, pretty much in despair and, and the, cloud, uh, the clouds overshadow us and we start to forget that God is all-powerful, and that He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, that He's, he's unlimited in His power and His ability. And uh, i tell you what, we lose hope. We lose hope because we start to forget about God and His great power. So we've got to be careful. Make known God's praise. He said the purpose of remembering, to make known God's praise. Let's, let's lift Him up. I mean, God is to be praised. We think of those angels in heaven. Holy, holy, holy. Remind Him, people. He's worthy of praise. Make known God's power. And finally, make known God's performance. I mean, what has he actually accomplished? What has he actually done? Uh, that's, that's, you know, the purpose of remembering. Okay, uh, what has God done in your life? What has God done in the lives of others? What has God done in the past? I mean, those are all things that Israel, when they, they came before God, he said, listen, I want you to remember. The purpose of remembering is that I want you to make known my praises. I want you to make known my power. I want you to make known what I've done before your children and so forth. So we, we see that element there. Then we also see the people to be reminded. Verses 5 and 6. Who were the people to be reminded? Well, the parents, the children, the grandchildren. Generation after generation after generation. Uh, that's who's to be reminded. Will somebody read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 12 for me? Who will read that? Anybody got, got that one here real quick? 
Yeah, go ahead, Caleb. Would you do that? Thank you. Very good. So what we find here is that even over there in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we find that, again, they're being reminded again, always. Who being reminded? The children, the grandchildren. Each generation is to be reminded of what? Just what we talked about earlier, uh, the fact of his praises, his power, his performance. God was very careful to make sure that that was the case. And so uh, he said, listen, beware lest you forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Why? Because it's so important that we don't forget. The prophet of reminding. What, why is it so important? Verse 7, it says that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. See, the importance of reminding or the profit of it is that the next generation will own God's wealth. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, they'll have hope. They'll have hope in God. They have peace and purpose and hope and all the intangibles that often, if we're not careful, we neglect or we seem to overlook. But in reality, those are, those are our blessings. We talk about the blessings of God, but may I say, blessings of God are really eternal. The mercies of God are temporal. We see the mercies of God being expressed to us in the book of First Timothy, and we recognize the fact that God meets our needs on a regular basis. But when we think about blessing, what we're talking about is eternal blessing. The fact that we've been saved, we're on our way to heaven, we have... The, the, the blessed hope of Jesus Christ returning. I mean to tell you, the next generation can have a hope now. The next generation can have a peace. The next generation can rest in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing and recognizing those things that He's already done. Now, not only that, that they'll own God's wealth, but they'll observe God's work. When we begin to remind people, the profit of reminding people is that they're going to observe God's work. They're going to have an opportunity to see what God has done. Even though they may not have experienced it firsthand, they're going to have an opportunity to experience it secondhand. I begin to tell God what, uh, tell somebody what God has done in my life, what God has done in my home, what God's done in my family, what God's done in the lives of my children, what God's done in the, 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 the setting of the local church and how he's prospered and benefited and blessed and, and, expressed his mercies and goodness to us when we start thinking about those things and we begin to share those things then others also are privy to god's work and we can lay it out there for them we can show it to them that's a prophet that's a good thing many people will never read the bible a number of people will never 
never take the time to, to, to open it, to read it, to understand it. But what they will do is listen to you. And we need to continually rehearse and remind people of what God has done. The next generation will own God's wealth. They'll observe God's word. But not only that, but they will obey God's word. When we begin to remember what God has done for us, it is a tremendous encouragement. And it helps to encourage us to be faithful to God. To think about what he's done for us. The sacrifices he's made on our behalf. I mean, when we think about what he did on Calvary and we consider what he's now doing by indwelling us personally through the person of the Holy Ghost, we realize the benefit that God has given to us. We rehearse that in our mind. We're only reminded forever of our great debt to God and our need to be yielded to God, submitted, surrendered. So the prophet is that the next generation, not just us, but then our children, and not just our children, but their children, and not just their children, but then their children. Every generation being reminded, being reminded, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. That's exactly what God's telling us to do. Israel had forgotten what God had done on their behalf. That's the bottom line. We know that. We, we see that in the Word of God. God makes it very clear to us. There appears to be a natural downward progression, however, when people forget what God has done. What's that progression? Well, let's just note it for a minute. First of all, when we forget what God has done, we forget Him. When we forget what God has done, we forget Him. Notice Jeremiah 2.32. Can a maid forget her own ornaments, her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Well, let's just leave it at a bride her attire. Let's make that real simple. Okay, a bride. See, let's just assume, and I'm just going to make it even as simple as I possibly can. We're talking about a wedding now. What's she going to do? She's going to go to the wedding. She's going to forget her dress. She's going to forget that? No, she's not going to forget her dress. She spends months planning what to wear and, you know, months trying to figure out exactly what will be most beautiful and spends often more money than she probably should on a dress they'll wear probably once in their lifetime. Because why? It's that important to them. They're not going to forget their dress. They're not, going to, they're, not, they're not going to forget about what they're wearing that day. Well, I just decided to wear some old clothes I found in the closet. It's not going to work that way. Oh, I, I got here. I forgot my dress. I'll just get married anyway. And nobody forgets their wedding dress. Most people. Yet my people, he says, have forgotten me days without number. So when they forgot what God had done for them, what was, the, what was the progression? They forgot Him. So the first thing that happens when we forget what God has done for us, we forget Him. So it says, no, uh that's what the Bible teaches. You know, again, it's one of those things again where, you know, absolutes have a tendency to rise their ugly head in the Bible. And I say ugly only being facetious. The reality is, is that God's very clear cut on things. We like, as I said in the past, we, we really do seem to like to encourage gray in the Bible. We want a number of shades of gray. Why? Because that gives us the opportunity to do something other than the way God says to do it. It provides us with excuses, options that really don't exist in God's economy but do exist in our minds if we're not careful. Yet my people have forgotten me, 
Why? Because they forgot God. Number two, when we forget God, because that's the next progression, we neglect His ways. So we forget what God has done. We forget God, and now we neglect His ways. The Bible simply says, Jeremiah eighteen fifteen, Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, and they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths to walk in paths in a way not cast up. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, even if you just want to go the ancient past to walk in paths, we know that God's to order our steps. What he's saying is here, they've caused them to stumble. Why? Because they'd forgotten God. When you forget God, you're going to also neglect his ways. You're not going to walk in the ways of God if you forget God. You're not going to acknowledge his ways if you don't acknowledge him. And so when we forget what God has done for us, the next progression is we forget God himself. Then when we forget God, we neglect his ways. Someone says, I'm just not serving the Lord right now. No, you've forgotten God. You've left God out. You've chosen to neglect and reject him in your life. You want nothing to do with him at this point because you choose to follow your own path. So he says, no, I still love God. I still enjoy God, but I just don't do what he says. No, you have forgotten what he's done for you on Calvary. You forgot what he did for you by saving your soul, washing you from your sin, putting you in the family of God, giving you an eternal home. You forgot about all that stuff. Therefore, you forgot about him, and now you are neglecting his ways. That's the reality. That's what the Bible teaches. It's a downward progression. I don't think that's what it's saying. I don't care what you think it's saying. Prove it wrong. It's right there in black and white. I mean, when they forgot him, then all of a sudden they turn from his ways. What do you think happens when we forget God? We turn from our ways. His ways, excuse me. Then when we neglect his ways, here goes now, we embrace false gods. That's my foot, by the way. And that's my wife. She just dressed funny. I have her kiss my feet all the time. You don't believe that, do you? Some of you are going... No, almost like I'm being serious. But anyway, um, that's not really her. Of course, you can tell she's... Anyway, but nonetheless, notice we got some gods over here. Hey, let me tell you something. When you neglect his ways, you're going to embrace false gods. Jeremiah 23, 27. It says, Which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name... For Baal. Oh, so we forget what God's done for us. We forget Him. Then we neglect His ways, and then we turn to idols. Now we're worshiping false idols. Remember the message the other day when we made the emphasis and we kind of focused on the idea and the reality, biblical truth, that it's either serving big G God or little g God's. There's no in-between. It's one or the other. It's not, well, I choose not to, to serve big G God. I just don't, just don't want to serve Him. I'm just going to do my own thing for a while. Then you are serving little G gods. Remember how we discussed that? I think it was Sunday night or Sunday morning. I can't remember which now. So here it is again. They have caused their people to forget His name. And ultimately, their fathers have forgotten Him, His name, which is Him, 
and for Baal. They've sacrificed or they've substituted an idol for the true and living God. That's the progression. Progression. So, oh, excuse me. So, we forget what God has done, we forget Him. We forget God, we neglect His ways. We neglect His ways, we embrace false gods. And finally, when we embrace false gods, we lose the next generation as well. This is the real danger. Now, notice what the passage says in the book of Hosea again. The prophet says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Get, now watch this. I will also forget thy children. Did, did you get that? Listen to me. This is no game we're playing here. God is not some old man sitting on a seat with gray hair that says, just ask whatever you want. Treat me however you want. If you ever need a place just to to crash, just show up. You know, I'll take care of you. Just live how you want. Do whatever you want. It's cool. That's not God. Now, that might be the perception we give God because that's what we expect people to do today. We expect parents, even when we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s, to take care of us and meet our needs if we're not responsible for our own. Now listen to me, I'm not trying to be nasty and mean here. I'm just telling you, that is not God. God does not reward us for disobedience. God does does not give us His best when we give Him nothing. Now again, that's what we want to believe. Because that's, that makes us feel good. It's warm and it's cozy and it's cuddly. But he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, that ought to just clue us in on something real quick. God's given us what? A book. It's called the Word of God. This reveals his mind to us. We're to have the mind of God. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Knowledge. Knowledge is something that you can get anywhere you want around the world. There's all kind of knowledge in the world. Knowledge is a good thing. I think you can learn about a lot of things. The Bible says to be simple in the things that are evil. Okay, so what he's saying is you shouldn't know a lot about that. You ought to be pretty, you know, pretty simple, pretty innocent when it comes to wicked and evil things. So don't be reading things that you shouldn't be reading. Don't be learning about things that you shouldn't be doing. Don't go looking on the internet for nasty things that go on in the world so that you can say, well, I just need to know what's going on. No, you probably don't need to know. Don't don't let yourself go there because it may just draw you in. Be simple concerning that which is evil. It's not a shame for a Christian to say, Oh, I don't know that group. Never heard of them. Well, I know all about them. Oh, you do? Why? Well, I read up on those things. Really, why? What purpose does it have? Why do you have to know about every rock group and every rap group and every rap artist and every person involved in the world? How's come you got to know about every movie star and their life and their doings and goings? And every, why? Why do you need to know that stuff? Oh, I know this new fad they've got with drugs right now. And I know this new thing that's going on, couples, you know, swapping and doing all this stuff. Why do you know that stuff? Why do you even care? But there is a knowledge. Right here it is. This is the knowledge. This is what you ought to be focus in our your energy and my energies ought to be focused on this because when we're destroyed for lack of it because we don't really know the book we just read it we're destroyed 
Because we know about certain things in the Bible, but we don't know how to apply them, so we're destroyed. Because we were taught something years ago and it stuck with us, so we think we know what the Bible really says. But that's just what somebody told us. So we just hold on to it like that must be true. That's why we're destroyed. Because we really don't have any personal convictions. Because we don't really have any real standards of our own. Because we go around just kind of letting everybody kind of tell us what to do and what not to do. Because we follow the world whenever they do something, a trend or some kind of movement, we follow right along. We wear what they wear. We, we go where they go. We listen to what they listen to. We do whatever they do. Why? Because that's what everybody does. It can't be wrong. Do you know why you do what you do? It's not just enough to know why you don't do things. You ought to know why you do do things. I think it's a good question when you come and you're asking about standards. I think one of the best questions you can ask is, why do you do what you do? Well, I don't want to know why you can't do this. Well, I want to know why you can. Why can't you defend your position? Biblically. Not not from your own background, not from your upbringing, not from the society we live in, but from the book. Hey, listen, we're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Did you get it? That's why we're destroyed. Not because we're stupid, not because we've lost brain power, not because we don't have numerous universities to teach us all kinds of truth, or things, I should say, worldly truths, because we're not learning His knowledge, His truths. Because we're living, basically, from our own experience, from our past upbringing. That's what basically runs us most of the time. He says, we're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast what? Rejected knowledge? You say, no, I'm just not a reader. You've rejected knowledge. I'm just not a studier. You've rejected knowledge. I'm just not that concerned about knowing a bunch of stuff about the Word of God. You have rejected knowledge. This is knowledge. He says, therefore, I'll reject thee. He says, what? You draw nigh to me, I'll what? Draw nigh to you. So if you reject knowledge, who are you really rejecting? Him. Therefore, he can't draw nigh to you because you're not drawing nigh to him. It's not that God's going, fine, I'm going to show you, big boy. I'm going to rip your face off. No, he's saying, listen, you can't get close to me if you won't allow yourself to be right with me, follow after me, allow me to direct your paths. I cannot be close to you because I will not force you to love me. I will not force you to follow me. You reject me in assessance, I'm rejecting you now. Thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten thy law, the law of thy God. Stop teaching this book. I also will forget thy children. You know what he's saying? I'll forget your nation. I'll put you in captivity. Then you'll be on your own. You know where they ended up? Captivity. wonder what happened to those children during the time of captivity. I wonder what faith and religion they were. I wonder how they really grew up. Do you know that most of the Israelites embraced the culture in which they were living? Remember we said that even in their past they were idolatrous? Don't you think that many of them happened to go back to idolatry again? To continue to worship in it? What happened to their kids? Because they forgot God, he forgot their kids. Because he's not, he can't, it's not that he doesn't love them. They're no longer privy to His knowledge. They no longer even know Him. And you know what? God says, listen, we're responsible for the next generation. 
<clears throat> hey, what about your kids? <clears throat> you going to wait for the preacher to get them saved? You going to wait for the church to do their job? Or are you going to do your job? Because in the end, it's really yours. At least that's what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's your job to remind them of what God has done. Listen, Dad, Mom, do you have any stories about what God's done in your life, your marriage, your home? Any stories? It's not, I'm saying you've got to be perfect. I'm saying, but do you have evidence of God working visibly in your life, your marriage, your home? Because if you don't, you have nothing to share. And that's a sad place to be, isn't it? It's got to be personal and it's got to be real. So when we embrace these false gods, we start serving idols. I don't care. We don't have to bow down to them like they do there. We don't have to be like the golden calf in the book of, of uh, Genesis, Exodus. Yeah. It just simply has to be something above God, put above Him, put in His place. We got problems then. We lose that generation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose the next generation. Amen. I don't do that. What's this really all about? Why are we going to ask you to give every week, week in, week out to the Community Baptist Temple through your tithes and offerings? Why do we do that? Why do we ask you to give to Faith Promise? Why do we ask you to give the building fund? You think it's just so we can have a big building run around going, look at our church, look what we do. That's not what it's about. It's about the next generation. It's about having a church that actually believes what, what we grew up believing. A church that actually stands on the same principles and the same guidelines that we grew up on. To have a church of like mind that was here before. And they can, we can say they're going to have what we had. They're going to experience what we experienced. They're going to have it firsthand. They don't have to just hear about it. They can experience it. Don't you get tired of listening to stories about the past? So we've got to have our own stories. I was just reading through just a year or two ago. In my, uh, one of my messages, I was going back through some messages this week, and I just read on there, and one of them, it said, do you realize that we had over 700 people in our services this Sunday morning? We had 700 people on our property just a year and a half or so ago. Do you realize that on one given Sunday? Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? That doesn't mean it can't happen. It did, and it's going to again. But that's up to us, isn't it? It's not up to God. We know what God wants. He wants a city saved. All them buses run every week. You know why? The next generation. They don't, they don't bring any money in. They cost us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Some say, that's a waste of money. Yeah, if you don't care about the next generation, it is. Yeah, if you, if you don't care about the next generation, then yeah, it's a waste of money. It's kind of funny, though, how everybody in the room, including myself, be more than happy to pay whatever I have to to preserve and protect the next generation in my home. They need a new pair of shoes, they'll get it. They need a certain type of education or a certain type of thing, they're going to get it. Why? Because that generation matters to me. The problem is when we don't care about anybody else anything else when the next generation only matters the very things that are closest to me let me tell you god doesn't call us to worry about just our own he calls us to worry about the things of others according to philippians therefore that means that that next generation that's out there that's lost without christ they 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 
should be as much on our heart as even our very own. That's what it really means. And that's why we give. And that's why we do what we do. Because there's another generation that without that, that's the Lord, they're going to perish. And then their families, next generation, next generation, so on, forgetting. They'll forget all about God. And so we could take the time to look at this, the believers today. We could read through all of 4 through 13, but let me just read this, 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance, the Apostle Paul said. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, profitable, he's saying, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm in this body, living on this earth, able to connect and to converse with you, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. See, Paul felt it necessary to remind his converts and the churches that he established of the marvelous grace and the mercy of God every time he could. He wanted them to understand their personal responsibility. That's really what it comes down to because when we remember what God has done for us, then we can't help but say, I have a debt that I owe the Lord. I have a responsibility to give my life wholeheartedly as he gave his whole life to me. The goodness of God motivates the child of God to live according to God's ways. When we forget, we fall. Isaiah 17, 10, 11, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shalt set it with strange slips. In the day shalt thou make thy plant to grow, and in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish, but the harvest shall be a heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. On the onset, what we're learning is that our efforts are going to seem to produce. Even if we forget God, even if we walk away from the Lord, it seems sometimes that things are going just fine. They're going okay. We're still planting. We're still doing some of the things we used to do. And listen, let me tell you, probably the most important part of that is realizing that we can be sitting in these, these seats tonight. We can be still, you know, teaching our lessons. We can still be going out knocking on some doors. But we've forgotten God in our real heart. And we're going through the motions. We're still planting it. We're still putting it down. The problem is, is that when it comes time for the harvest, when it comes time to really reap what we've sown, he says, guess what? Then you got a problem. The heap of that day of grief and of desperate sorrow. You're going to have nothing but heartache. That's what he's saying. Don't let yourself get caught up in that thing. Well, I'm doing all right. I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. I don't pray like I ought to. I, I don't have a relationship with God probably as I should. My faith is shaky. I'm kind of weak on some areas. I do fret and I do worry about a lot of things. And you know what? That's not always uncommon. But we can't just let that go and say, whatever. Doesn't matter. Everybody's like that. No, we've got to realize we've got to quit sowing and planting without having a walk with God. We've got to have a walk with God. It's got to be real. The storm's going to come. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That's what happens when we forget what God's done for us. Don't forget what God's done for you. Everything's going to look normal on the outside. But that's only appearance. 
the foundation, if the foundation is flawed, then the result will be ruined. And that's a reality of it. Don't let the, don't let the foundation of your life be flawed. Don't do that. Focus first and most on your relationship with the Lord. Don't believe for a minute that the things you do make you right with God. They don't. In and of themselves, they do not. The fact is is that you don't have to teach one lesson and you can be the most spiritual person on earth. If you are right where God wants you and you have a a, a communion and an intimate fellowship and relationship with the Lord, then you are where you need to be to be directed by God. Don't be taken thinking just because you're sowing seed, just because you're involved in the work, just because you're so busy at the things of Jesus that I'm right with God. That's not what makes us right. And if you thought that because you are that busy, you're okay, then that's proof positive that you need to work on your relationship with the Lord because you'd realize it's nothing without that walk with Him. And and it's just work on it. Israel made a great mistake forgetting God and His works. Don't forget what God's done for you. Because as you remember what God's done for you, as I remember what God's done for me, it's going to adore Him to me. It's going to make me long to be closer to Him. I start to think what He's done and my faith will only grow. My desire for Him will only be enhanced as I remember what God has done for me. However little or however big it may seem, remember. Don't forget. That was Israel's great mistake. Forgetting God and His works. Father, we come to You. Lord, we ask Your God that You just be with us. Once again, Lord, we need You and Father, we are desperate, Father, not to forget what you've done. Lord, so many times 